Jersey is the world. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to an emergency episode of New Jersey is the world because there's a big issue. All eyes are on Jersey, and we do feel honor bound to talk about it. This is, of course, that our long serving senator, Robert Menendez, finds himself in legal troubles yet again. He is somebody who has faced corruption charges in the past and uh, famously walked away with a jury not convicting him and, and, and ominously said, I will remember everyone who was in a rush to dig my political grave. And now just a few short years later, it's looping back around in an even bigger way. I think you can hear my voice is a little weak. I'm going to be full disclosure. I am trapped in a hotel room in Denver, Colorado. You don't need to call 911 or anything. I was out doing shows and unfortunately um, came down with the COVID I thought I had altitude sickness and then tested right before my show, <laughs> got the COVID. So I'm out here. So I'm going to let my good friend, Mike D lead the charge this episode. And I will be here for commentary. Uh, Mike D you've got a very interesting angle on this. Why don't you take it away? Yeah. I'm really excited to welcome Senator Bob Menendez as the newest inductee to the New Jersey Corruption Hall of Fame, which is a <laughs> very important Hall of Fame. I think it's probably the most crowded Hall of Fame that we have here in New Jersey, more than sports figures, more than more than heroes, more than teachers of the more year. More than the New Jersey yeah, Hall of Fame. There's more people that are in this corrupt uh, Hall of Fame. And you know, it's funny when you just said, emergency episode. I thought of our last emergency episode, which I believe was Bruce Springsteen. So I think we only do emergency episodes when people from New Jersey commit some crime and it gets into the national news. Yeah. Either you are Bruce Springsteen doing shots out on Sandy Hook and then riding away on a motorcycle or you're Bob Menendez. Let's be clear. I'm not making this up, people. Accepting gold bars to do favors for Egyptian operatives which sounds like something that would only happen in the first act of an Indiana Jones movie. Can I tell you something? Yeah. It sounds fucking cool. That's what it sounds like to me. Really? The gold bars part, that jumps at you like that. I don't think I'd be able to turn down gold bars either. Oh, you think they came to him with the gold bars and yeah. he said, how can I say no to this? That's how I would be for sure. I mean, it is kind of textbook spy novel corruption, right? Generally, it's not gold bars. It's usually cougarans, which are, which are the gold coins they used to mint in South Africa and apparently are floating all around the world and are used as like illegal currency because no one really knows where they came from or how many there are. Obviously, for anybody who has heard of this but doesn't know the full details, it's basically um, the most concerning stuff is that there were some, he was doing some favors for people in the Egyptian government um, swung an exclusive contract for a halal meat uh, importer-exporter to a New Jersey-based business um, who bribed him. He There's a couple other things. He had some luxury cars from some other operatives. Um, and yes, the, the, the big headline items are that when they raided his house, they found gold bars and also hundreds of thousands of dollars sewn into clothes, some of which had his name on the clothes, one of which was a a it, it looks like a flight jacket that they gave out to members of the Hispanic Caucus. I guess that's something you know the senators can be a member of. And it was they found over a hundred thousand dollars stuffed into this jacket that said, you know, 
Hispanic Caucus of the United States and said Bob Menendez so like sewn into the front of it. Yeah, braided right on. So funny. Hard to deny when it is sewn into you. You know what? It has your name on it, Bob. <laughs> Could be anybody's jacket. You don't know. Yeah, it was, it's funny you even said that, but I, I've always said this in the past. It always amazes me at how little it can cost you to get a get a favor done for. Like that Mercedes that I got was sixty grand. <laughs> Sixty grand to give a gov like a certification government like uh, for the halal meat thing, like that was it. Yeah, it's like printing money for like the rest of your life. Do you think it's less about, but like the actual cost and more about the like, like um, not cred really, but the like. Yeah, just the uh, the thrill of knowing that he can do that. Yeah, you know. Right. Th that's the question. Is at his core, is the senator. A corrupt criminal. Yes. Like, is this at his core who he is? That's the big question. Mike T, you say yes. I mean, you know, just to, to preface this for maybe people who aren't regular listeners of the show is that we will discuss this in a very Jersey way. So I know technically Bob Menendez is not guilty of anything yet, but come on. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, do not piss in my face and tell me it's raining. If the federal government comes to your house and finds who in their right mind keeps hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash strewn around their house in envelopes and jackets, gold bars. I mean, obviously he is corrupt. And this is the second time that he's been brought up on corruption charges. And his first trial ended in a hung jury, yeah. which is seems very suspect because you sort of touched on this, Chris. He is known to be insanely personally vindictive to people. And if you were on a jury and you knew that this powerful vindictive man was on it there's a very good chance he was like oh, i don't really want to deal with this let me just ha hang the jewelry and we can kind of all get away from it. i'll just take 50 g's and walk away he is hudson county to the core he is like a, a a caricature of a hudson county politician in a lot of ways he makes it personal um he he keeps receipts one of the major differences this time so last time um the bullet points of his indictment were there, it was some shady doctor friend of his was flying him down to the Caribbean on a private jet and giving him vacations and stuff. And there were a lot of rumors then too of like, oh, a lot of these places are places where there's a sex trade and these seemed like they might be holidays related to that. There were a lot of rumors and rumblings of that that I, uh, I'm, I'm not saying are true or aren't true, but that was kind of the scuttlebutt back then. Um, one of the big differences is when that happened, a lot of the Democratic machine in New Jersey stayed pretty silent. There were very few people that were willing to cross Bob Menendez back then, knowing his reputation. This time, the only two Democratic politicians who have spoken out in favor of Robert Menendez are Robert Menendez hmm. and his son, Robert Menendez. So only two <laughs> Robert Menendezes have spoken out on behalf of Robert Menendez. Everybody else, I mean, starting with, God bless him, the man who got down on his knees and cleaned up the Capitol on January 6th, the first guy to come out of the gate, Andy Kim, congressman from South Jersey, who I got to say, I don't know much about Andy Kim, but if you're the guy cleaning your, the Capitol on your hands and knees, and then you're the first dude to def to say, I don't care if the if the machine politics aren't going to leg me for this, I'll come out and say, this guy's got to go. This is, he's, this is not, even if he's not guilty, his the trust in him is now compromised. I love Andy Kim. I mean, Governor Murphy has come out. Mikey Sherrill has come out. Wow. Josh Gottheimer, Frank Pallone, so many congresspeople, all the way down to Leroy Jones, who runs the state Democratic Party. He supposedly had a big meeting today 
with a whole bunch of the county officials, because as we know, and if you know from listening to the show, one of the things we've learned about in doing the show is how much the county, uh, the county commissioners do still run New Jersey. I will say I keep checking in. Supposedly they had a big meeting in Newark with Leroy Jones and a bunch of the county officials at 10.30 this morning. We're, we're recording this on Saturday morning, and I keep checking Joe D's Instagram. Joe D has not come out uh, against the senator just yet. As of now, since Senator Menendez's indictment, Joe D has posted a picture of a park under construction in Irvington, a picture of the Cherry Blossom Welcome Center in Branchbrook Park in Newark that is under construction. And then he posted about a fall family festival happening uh, on October 15th. And he did accidentally post that one twice. I like to think that he just hasn't heard the news yet. He's been too busy running from he's park too to focused. park. Yeah. He's, he's too busy uh, hiding money in his house now and digging <laughs> holes in his backyard. <laughs> yeah, maybe Jody. I, I have actually, I will say this. I have been told quietly that we should shut the fuck up about Jody a little bit. So let's just move on. Let's just move on. Wow. Well, you know what the other thing that, that trips to the Caribbean on a private jet are used for is that is the most basic form of money laundering because the Caribbean is, is filled with, with banks that are not sort of bound to the international banking system. Right. So you can put money there and essentially make it disappear, you know, similar, like people say Swiss banks, but you can't really do that in Switzerland anymore, but you can do that in a lot of places in the Caribbean. Um, and if you fly on a private jet, right, customs is very different when you're, when you're on a, a private aircraft, right? They don't really search your plane, They're, especially in the Caribbean. There's going to kind of, you know. I don't know if they do it. Especially when you're a politician. I don't know if they do as thorough a scan on, I don't know, let's say the jacket that you're wearing. arms out to here. <laughs> yes. Someone should go pull every picture of Bob Menendez oh from like God. the AP wire for the last 10 years and just look at him in jackets and see if there's anywhere he looks like the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz that his arms are all jacked. So Mike D, tell us about the New Jersey Corruption Hall of Fame some of the other members along the way and I'm sure we'll jump in and out with commentary on them as well as any updates on Menendez because they're, they're coming so fast and furious that who knows? Even as we record this, stuff might come down. There. I have to add one thing, though, because there's one thing that uh, I don't get too political, and I don't think I get that angry all the time, but I'm very angry about one thing, which is most of the people coming out against Menendez are coming out for the reason that they're like, he's putting a Democratic seat in play in a really contested election. That makes me really angry that that is the reason that people are concerned they should be concerned that he's corrupt and selling government information to foreign Absolutely. governments and you know put, giving his friends sweetheart real estate deals on the gold coast in Hudson County but they're but they're not and i think that's crappy that that is where we've landed as a country uh, you know what it, they it, say mike D? people talk a lot about the political yeah. implications well yeah. when you live in glass houses don't throw stones right i mean cuz they're all doing the same shit that's the problem also guys i just said um how there's updates flying down the pike and i just went to politico which has been really on top of it cuz our friend matt friedman is, who writes the new jersey playbook for politico has been on top of it uh 1 hour ago they did announce Andy Kim just announced he's going to run for Menendez's seat. Oh, wow. Nice. Oh, wow. Now, this is a big deal because one of the things that ties into what you're saying as well, Mike T, is 
if Menendez is going to go, one of the other things about Jersey that's really, really fascinating in a Game of Thrones way, but I, I can say that I'm fascinated by it and even somewhat entertained by it, but that I don't necessarily like is when you hear that Chairman Leroy Jones is having a meeting with all the county commissioners, that is not just a meeting, right? We are all smart enough to know that's not just a meeting of are we going to get on board and say Menendez is going to go. It's a meeting of who are we going to replace Menendez with. And Andy Kim publicly announcing that he's running feels like a big swing to me because there's a lot of names of people that have been bandied about as far as who could replace Menendez. And Andy Kim's name is not necessarily one that's on the list. So it also feels like this might be Andy Kim throwing a big old monkey wrench into the machine politics of New Jersey because he's a popular guy. Um, there's been a lot of talk of Mikey Sherrill, who I think a lot of people are starting to think could be the front runner for this. There's a lot of talk of Steve Fulop, the mayor of Jersey City, Ross Baraka, the mayor of Newark. They both wanted the governor's seat. There's talk of Josh Gottheimer, who's I think a Bergen County congressman. He's been very, uh, like everything you read is that he's been pretty open about hoping to be a senator someday. So the whole Jersey Game of Thrones political action, it is in motion here. And for those of us who like to keep an eye on it, this thing with Andy Kim throwing his hat in the ring feels to me um, like him trying to maybe get ahead of their ability to place a candidate by putting himself out there as a candidate. Because obviously if Menendez does go, Governor Murphy gets to appoint a replacement, and then theoretically, that person will have a pretty easy walk to re-election. This is your chance, Gat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you just yes, you think me for United States Senator? Great would that be? Senator, <laughs> I think I'd be pretty good at. It. You have to get a monocle. <laughs> Let's see. Kim just said on Twitter, um, "It's uh, Kim was the first Democrat from the New Jersey congressional delegation to say Menendez should step down." Since then, five other New Jersey Democrats have called for his resignation, as well as Murphy. I feel compelled to run against him, Kim said in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter. Not something I expected to do, but New Jersey deserves better. We cannot jeopardize the Senate or compromise our integrity. Uh, Menendez already famously gave the quote, I am not going anywhere. <laughs> there was even talk that um, uh, Norcross, who is a congressman from South Jersey, might be in play. And obviously he's tied into his brother, who is the Norcross that ran South Jersey for many years and supposedly stepped away from it. But a lot of people say he still runs it. So all sorts of moving parts on this one. And Andy Kim getting out ahead of the machines, getting out ahead of the county executives. So if Menendez does not resign, he just stays in office until there's an election, right? Or can, can the Senate force him to resign? Yeah, I think it's like one of those, they probably have to force you out. But he is up in 24. He had to run next year anyway. So the longest he'll be there is until election day 24, because unless he can miraculously get reelected with all this, but it feels like everyone's lining up against him. But if he does get reelected, that Mike D, I feel like you personally will start swinging a bike chain around your head like a <laughs> like an NPC from Double Dragon. I mean, if you're going to be corrupt, at least be good at it. I mean, what bothers me the most is that he's. I mean, we all know New Jersey is the most corrupt place in the world. Everything is corrupt from the, the Burger King drive through all the way, way up to like the government. Everything is corrupt. But if you're going to do it, he's inept at being corrupt, which is kind of even scarier. He's a sloppy, corrupt person. He's leaving money been doing it for so long, with you know? his name on it. I mean, yeah. gold bars laying around your house. Put that 
that shit in a bank, man. How do you even spend gold bars? You can do, you can go sell gold anywhere. Yeah, but that I mean, like <laughs> that's the best part about. Then it. Then that has to show. Then you have to launder all that money. Then you have to. There you go. Sure, you do. Unless I guess you sew it into your fucking jacket. <laughs> you can go in. You can go in. You can go in and bring gold in somewhere up to a certain amount. I forgot what the number is, and they do not have to report it. It's under ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So everything everything is under ten thousand. Each of his cold each of his cold bars was worth a hundred thousand dollars, though, right? Wasn't it one kilo? Yeah. You know how it easy is to cut up a piece of gold? Nick, <laughs> I don't. No, it's not. <laughs> I Nick. don't know. Nick, you have to stop acting like in 2023, it is common to spend money in gold. It is as a United States senator. Oh, not as a senator, but I'm saying it's it's one of the most liquid things you could have. That's why people buy assets, you know, like those things were like, buy these uh, silver fucking templates that have a, you know, whatever, a dove on them and keep them in your fucking closet for when the world falls apart, right? I mean, it, you know what I mean? It's the easiest thing to to get away with you can steal gold from somebody and go sell it like whatever you smash the thing that's what i was curious about too is all those gold bars have markings on them right so they're kind of like it's not they do it's not that it's traceable but they know where the fuck it's probably like money from like the nazis from germany that's still floating around the world you know what i mean i love this accusation let's add that right to let's make that official if we can please (laughs) matt friedman if you're listening if you can start reporting that senator bob menendez actually had nazi gold and that Bonaduce has verified this. I want to report that someone is in line at Great Adventure and the senator and his family were in front of them and he took out a gold bar and a small chisel and just started. How much is this? Hey, you get a knife, you just shave a little off. He walks around with a scale and gold bars in his pocket. His house. And he's always Googling the price of gold, right? That's the other big. I, I would love if he just goes around Hudson County. He, as somebody at Boulevard Drinks just paid for two dogs and a papaya juice with gold shavings. One of the one of the pieces of evidence is they they went through his computer searches and he in his computer oh, that's true. searches. This is true. Do you know how this? much is one kilo of gold worth? That was something that was in his search. He doesn't even know how to turn on private mode. I don't think it matters. You can go in there and take whatever they want. And the other amazing thing is, which you know you heard of, but I guess I just never believed, is that- and Wait, hold on, Nick, because Andrea's taken- still laughing that he Googled that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's let Andrea finish <laughs> laughing that a United States senator who received gold bars Googled how much is one kilo of gold worth. So funny. It's like the guy, I, I, the guy who killed his uh, wife and buried her in the backyard. And then like uh, an hour later, he's on Google on his kid's fucking iPad. Like- how to clean up after <laughs> after killing somebody. Like, that was his fucking thing. Like, Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. Fucking it's, internet. It's evil. It's so good. It's pinched every time. <laughs> the best. So we're all keeping an eye on this. Um, if you guys had to predict or who replaces him, I, I also a valid answer is I don't care. I might be the only one who keeps an eye on it. My guess is that uh, if the machines have their way, they're going to put Mikey Sherrill as the senator so that she doesn't have to battle someone else as governor. I would, if, if I had to cast my lot, I would actually, I would probably put it behind Mikey Sherrill too. Because like, I mean, obviously she's pretty liberal, but she does also a good job of not making everything like so completely divided. What's nice to have someone who isn't so far or who isn't so polarizing, right? Mm-hmm. That I think, you know, Mikey Sherrill's district has some really wealthy parts of that she covers and some not so wealthy parts. And everyone, you know, seems to, she seems to be able to make that work. And I think that would probably work pretty well in the Senate. 
I, I live in her district and I can say there's a lot of Reagan Republicans around here who don't, who are not Trumpers. And she, she checks a lot of boxes where the Reagan Republicans are like, you know what? I'm a Republican, but the MAGA stuff is nuts and she's all right. Like she, she really does a good job with that. And I've already seen, I, I follow a ton of New Jersey political people and I've seen a lot of the progressives who are like, very activist, hardcore saying like, we shouldn't all be lining up behind Mikey Sherrill. She's a blue dog Democrat. She's very moderate, but, um, again, I'm a very progressive guy in my own right. I would like to think, but she does a really, really good job of appealing pretty far in the progressive direction while still hanging on to a lot of generally Republican people. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. What do you think her money laundering jacket looks like? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I probably tailored better. Oh yeah. That's the other thing too, is like, we're already the gold bars thing and like hundred thousand dollars starting to jacket is so ridiculous. Cause we also have like hundreds of forms of cryptocurrency now that are genuinely hard to trace. Yeah. Not like we can walk into your house and find big bars of gold. <laughs> Cash in hand, buddy. Cash in hand. I get it. I get it. I have a pick for a senator, and this, okay. is, a, this is a bizarro back-end connection to West Orange. Wait, can I just absolutely interrupt? Is everybody wearing a New Jersey-based <laughs> yeah. shirt right now? I am wearing a Destination Dogs t-shirt. Oh, uh, just representing Midtown. Mike D, what's yours? I'm wearing a Raji Barrett Jiu-Jitsu shirt. <laughs> Look at that. And, and Nick's, is that Take Today? Yeah, Take Today. I have that same shirt. Yeah, yeah I love it. Absolute caricatures. Absolute caricatures. All of us are wearing New Jersey themed <laughs> gear right now. It's pathetic. Okay, Nick, you have a long shot vote for Senator. Yeah, and I don't think it's a long shot. I think um, he also could be one of those candidates that um, that he got elected in a uh, Republican area and he's a Democrat and has uh, been able to maintain his position there is uh, Josh Gottheimer. And the bizarro relationship to that is his father, Donald, was my dad's best friend, grew up right behind my dad. On, um, my dad grew up on Gregory Ave, and he was behind him. And I worked for him when I was in college. He had a big um, he had a big company that did wholesale like um, perfume and uh, and like cosmetics and health goods, stuff like that. Remember that, Mike D? I do remember that. Yeah. The perfume factory. Yep. Yeah. And his dad was a was an awesome guy and a real stand up dude. And I know that Josh is the same way. And he's 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 always fighting like um I mean I do not know him personally, but like we know the family. I knew his I used to drive his grandmother around in the summertime when <laughs> So, uh, but I, I think he's a good dude, and he's one of those people that is in power in a place where a Democrat would not normally be in power. So, yeah, that's my choice. He's uh, he's someone who any any article you see lately about who are the front runners to replace him, him and Mikey Sherrill are generally right there at the top of the yeah. list. So it would not be shocking. Would not be shocking. I, I like that it seems like anyway the the handful of names that are toward the top seem to be least likely to also be caught up in some sort of scheme where they're sewing <laughs> money into jackets and hiding gold bars. Like it does seem like on the corruption scale, it's an improvement sort of if any one of those like top three names that, that we're talking about get pulled, right? Seems like it. I mean, there's some other names on there Good. too, where not so much, but I'll reserve comment on that. Well, this is a prime example though of my theory of politics that I've been pushing for a while, which is 
I think every single elected position, no matter what it is, from garbage commissioner to president, should be term limited. Yeah. Everything. Because the way you end up with Bob Menendez is you have these people who hang around in office for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And if you're in politics that long, it's one favor here, one favor here. And you add that up over years and decades and everyone eventually is going to be bought and sold. And if you term limit everything, it just limits the amount, like people realize they're going to have to go back into normal life at some point and that politics isn't a career. So I think it does something to stem this kind of bold New Jersey style corruption that we have. Also with senators, you know, Congress people, if, if you're a representative, yeah. you're pretty much always running, right? Every yeah. two years you have to get elected. So you're always campaigning and that does suck. And that does get in the way of your ability and your energy level towards actual governance. Whereas senators, it's every six years. So they have to worry less about that. And the theory is that they can get more shit done. But there's another side of the coin, which is that they are maybe more apt to lose touch with reality because they don't have to answer to the people. You know, it's over half a decade since you, until you have to court the opinion of the people again, and you can get lost in the morass uh, of this stuff. And um, I'm certainly not someone to say drain the swamp, uh, but that <laughs> phrase caught on for a reason, right? We're going to call your phrase can be drain the metal. <laughs> drain the metal lands, baby. Oh, that's a good one. Actually drain yeah. the metal lands. That's a new t-shirt that's coming out. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah. We're going to immediately try to make money off of this. Thanks Bobby gold bars. <laughs> we're actually, we're going to start selling jackets that have, <laughs> that have extra pockets <laughs> hidden inside for all our, Oh my God. If we could sell them, uh, jacket with money pucks dude if we sell bobby gold bars merch how fast do you think he brings his hammer down on us i would not mess I with see him. how he I got could it. really i'm not i'm not messing with this guy right now i got a guy pressing uh plastic gold fake bricks in uh, newark right now dude <laughs> the best thing he could do is fight this off get another hunting jury and then make his campaign slogan in 2024, vote Bobby Gold Bars. <laughs> if he did that, I'd vote for him. I'd be like, that's the most ballsy thing I've ever what, seen. What if he shows up to his federal indictment hearing and he has gold grills on? <laughs> gold, yeah, he's a big grill. Oh. And, he's, and he's wearing the same jacket. It's <laughs> like, what? What? He's got a chain with like a golden hubcap hanging off his neck. He's got a gold tech nine. He's like Mr. T. <laughs> yes. <He's just> got- <laughs> yes. Okay, Mike D, I love that the front half of this episode, I think we all have expressed what's going on here. I think we have expressed a number of opinions that are showing up all over Jersey. But you have also designed the New Jersey Corruption Hall of Fame. Would you like us to walk us through some of the members of this of this illustrious Elite. and cautionary group? Yeah, I've put together some of the most, uh, some of the charter members of the Corruption Hall of Fame. Um, you can all go visit this Hall of Fame. It's located underneath the Driscoll Bridge. It's on a small island there that's uh, an unincorporated island underneath the, the Driscoll Bridge. <laughs> I'll, I'll start with one of my favorites because this is, a lot of these are, are a little bit older, but this is something that happened, you know, not that long ago. But does anyone remember Operation Bid Rig? So this was a federal investigation of, of Daniel Van Pelt, who is the, the assembly member. And they were investigating him for international money, um, money laundering and bribery. So it's very similar to what Menendez was, um, was being charged with. 
And he ended up getting, you know, almost four years in jail. And so many people were wrapped up in this, um, you know, corruption investigation. Whole bunch of officials in, in Jersey City, Secaucus, um, all over North Jersey. They basically had a, an actual political organized crime ring running. And they, yeah, and it was absolutely. really, really organized. And we're talking about tons and tons of money and all these people went to jail. So I think Daniel Van Pelt and his 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 cronies have to be one of the initial no. people, first ballot Hall of Famers of corruption. I do have to ask Mike D in your notes, I, I see that he, you know, bribery, corruption charges, money laundering, and also organ selling. There you go. That's normal. I, I'm not an expert on this one, but I thought organ selling was like, I don't think it means like, kidneys. I think it's, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought organ selling in this case is like financial instruments. Okay. Oh, it's a- I think I get it. This one, I'm not an expert on this one. Maybe he was just into selling church organs. Who knows? Um. Well, hold on though. I could be completely wrong. <laughs> well, is this? I was going to say, is this the thing with the rabbis? Because there was- Yeah, it, oh, is. it is. He was tied oh up in that. God. That was nuts. Because that was nuts. He was t- tied up. You know, there was a. I remember there was a story from that area around that time where there were also a number of rabbis caught selling human organs straight up. And it seems like, I mean, this puts Daniel Van Pelt right at the top of the list. This one line from The Guardian at the time One northern New Jersey man was charged with conspiring to traffic human organs. Officials said he promised to sell to sell to the witness's relative for $160,000 a kidney he had acquired for $10,000. That, I mean, that is a markup right there. That's a markup right there. Yeah, well, you got to keep it fresh and refrigerated <laughs> and everything. Transport, you got to pay those people. Jesus. Ooh, selling kidneys, that's real corruption. <laughs> I think Donald Van Pelt probably still. Number one in this Hall of Fame, right, Mike? I actually undersold that. I didn't even realize there were actual organs. I just assumed that was so far beyond the pale that I was misreading it. That's the whole racket. They take everybody from their community and start taking things out of them. Wild. Wild. What about another favorite of mine is Sharp James? Yeah. Who is a legendary, legendarily corrupt man. And, uh, you know, he, he was state senator. He was mayor of Newark for, for a long, long time. Um, yeah. And if um, I think we've mentioned this before. A, there's an amazing documentary called Street Fight, which is about Cory Booker running for mayor against Sharp James. Um, and it's great. It's, it's really, it's, really it's great. It's a great documentary. There's some wild stuff in there. But so the, the only thing that he was actually convicted of was he was basically knew what city owned properties were coming up for sale and through different forms of corruption would get his girlfriend to buy these properties at greatly reduced prices and then would go on to resell them, you know, and make a ton of money on these properties. So he was basically defrauding the city that he was mayor of to make money for himself. And the crazy thing about this is he went to federal prison and then he came, he came back out and and everybody was was totally fine with Sharp James getting sort of right back into politics after that. Like nobody really seemed to care that that he had gone to federal prison for corruption. Yeah, I don't think he had closets full of money and uh, you know, whatever, but he put it in a bank. I don't know. This is a different time. He put his stuff. maybe. Yeah, I mean, when you watch Street Fight, it's clear there's it, just one of the really fascinating things about Newark politics is that a lot of the people there feel so burned by decades of nonsense that Sharp James being a Nork guy goes a long way 
And uh, in that documentary, it was one of the really fascinating things of like, yeah, Sharp James is Sharp James and we know what that means, but he's a Nork guy and we can tr- on some level trust that even though we know he's pulling nonsense. Um, that documentary Street Fight is really worth watching if you are a fan of New Jersey. And he's he's Absolutely. a very entertaining character mm-hmm. on screen, Sharp James. And in, in that documentary, every minute he's on the screen, you're you're pretty pretty riveted by him. And I mean the the North corruption, right? People people just got used to it. even before Sharp James, another inductee into the Corruption Hall of Fame is Hugh Adonisio, right? So he he was the mayor of Newark, um, and I mean. His, his, there's so much corruption involved with him, but like the long and short of it was he was bought and sold by the mob for his entire term. And just basically that he probably brought the most corruption into that city because every single city public works project he was getting kickbacks from, it was all going basically to, to organize crime, um, you know, that were fronting these businesses. And again, nobody, you know, people seem to kind of love him for a long, long time. And uh, he was eventually, you know, convicted and, and went to jail in, in 1970 for conspiracy and extortion. Um, and we're talking big dollars too, like $1.4 million in 1970 money, which is a lot of money. And let's also point out 1970, ah. he was also the mayor in 1967, which is when the Nork Rebellion, as many people call it, the Nork Riots, as other people call it, went down. So also keep in mind, a lot of people will point out, yeah, there was like a community that was really, really pissed. And then three years after that, the mayor who was in charge of everything got nailed for all this stuff. So these things go hand in hand. What about a former New Brunswick mayor, a little bit after our time, uh, John Lynch, the state Senate president, uh, fraud and tax evasion charges. Um, basically, he was you know, letting people bribe him for construction permit approvals while he was in the Senate. So he spent two and a half years in, in prison. Another one. I mean, it, it's just so crazy how... I mean, I have a long list of people that are in the Corruption Hall of Fame. So I do feel like almost every crazy. New Jersey politician in one way or another is pretty, pretty corrupt, right? I think, and a lot of it is tied to like- Yeah, it's all money. Construction and business permits, right? All the things that- Now, this is a failing of mine that I don't know more, but is this like really unique to- Jersey in particular. It happens everywhere, Andrea. Right. That's my, that's my. It does happen everywhere. I'll never forget when I talked to Matt Friedman, which was one of my favorite interviews I ever got to do for the show. Yeah, that's a great one. He, that was a good he pointed out a couple things, which is one, the state is so small that it's harder to catch it here and it can grow out of control here because Jersey is so small that you don't ever need to write anything down. Um, like, Someone, if if you're someone in Gloucester County and you're teaming up with someone in Hudson County to pull some nonsense, you can both drive an hour and just meet in person, and none of it's an email. There's very few text records that that meeting even took place. You might be able to make that meeting happen without anyone knowing you ever took the time to do it. So, the size of Jersey actually helps the corruption because it's harder to find any paper trail. And the other thing is that a thing I did not even realize until. I was many years into my adulthood is just more than most places. And it goes hand in hand with the point I just made, but in part because of that, the machine politics here 
really do still have a firmer grip than other places. Like our ballot line, people in New Jersey in general don't realize it doesn't work that way other places. This idea that the county politicians get to place where your name is on the ballot so that if you're a Democrat and they place you, you're more, much more likely to win and they can stop primaries and they can stop, you know, it's hard for progressivism to catch a foothold in New Jersey compared to other places because if the democratic machine doesn't want you getting votes, they can put you on the ballot line wherever they want and no one can even know your name, let alone all the very funny but totally heartbreaking like the Camden County Phantom Candidates Twitter handle, which mm-hmm. tracks the names of all these candidates that are not really running. They're running because they have similar names to people who really want the thing and they're, tr- they're there to confuse you. Um, yeah, Fried- Friedman told all those crazy stories about you know, pe- calling people who were running for office to ask them what their goals were and finding out that they had no idea they were running for office. Mm-hmm. The machine had just placed their name on the ballot. Stuff like that um, happens everywhere, sure, but the machines in Jersey never really got broken to the degree that they did in a lot of other places. And because the state is so small, it can kind of fester without being tracked a little easier. Well, sure, there's a million other layers to it that smarter people than me know, but those are the two things that I'll always remember from that interview with Matt. Well, look at the results of that of that too, of, of why I think New Jersey is is so completely corrupt. Look at Camden. Camden should be the Brooklyn of Philadelphia, right? There is no question about that. It's the perfect place. It's right across the river. You know, tons of of access. You have Rutgers there. You have, you know, the the concert venue, all that stuff, but it's still in rough shape. But look back, another Hall of Fame inductee, Milton Milan, who is the mayor of Camden, he went to jail in 2000. He was literally laundering drug money for drug dealers taking bribes from the mob, getting kickbacks on every city contract, insurance fraud, using campaign money to take vacations, all these things. And right, th- that's the reason why places like Camden aren't don't turn into the Brooklyn of Philadelphia because right. they're so corrupt that any sort of like bonus or progress that a city like that makes, you have some clown like Milton Milan at the top stealing the money, you know? And I think that's true across the board in New Jersey. Even, you, you know, even when you have all these huge developments, right, in in Jersey City and in Hudson County along the water, like tons of people are getting arrested for shady things going on with those developments, you know? It's just from top to bottom, like everything here is so corrupt. I think a small, this is such a small thing, but it's something I'm always interested by. And it just allows for more opportunities too, is that we're the only state where every single county is considered metropolitan. So there's just more like any, anywhere you are in Jersey, like there just is that kind of business happening and then therefore opportunities for it to be corrupted. So, Mike T, I, lo- I, I know there's a few other South Jersey representatives on your Corruption Hall of Fame. I want to make sure that Andrea knows this is not one of our classic imbalanced <laughs> North Jersey lists that corruption no. extends. That's right. No, the, the whole w- Wayne Bryant, state senator from Camden, right? So he was long time um leg- legislator, um, really like high up, served on the on the budget committee, um, when he was in the legislature, he had a bunch of other public jobs. And then 
He was convicted in 2008. He left the Senate for pension fraud. And pension fraud sounds like one of those things like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just pension fraud. But what they're actually doing is taking people's retirement money sure. that, that is supposed to be like invested so that you know you earn that money so you can retire one day and directing it to their friends as investment so that those people can make money. And if the money disappears, like, oh, too bad. So, you know, there, another, another great South Jersey person busted for corruption and things like that, that they sound like they're not serious crimes, but they're huge, right? You, that's what you hear about. Yeah, they ruin people's lives. Yeah. People wake up and have no retirement one day because some state Senator decides that his buddies should be managing this money to buy like, uh, you know, 400, uh, like Burger King franchises or whatever shitty investment they dream up, you know? Oh, that'd actually be a decent investment, 400 Burger King franchise. <laughs> Think of a worst one. Maybe Chick-fil-A. Mike D, I do feel like we need to spend some time talking about the guy who is first on your list, numerically, a legend in the Jersey political corruption game. Um, a name that when you talk about machine politics in history books and in history classes, a name that comes up quite often is former Jersey City Mayor Frank Haig. Oh yeah, he he was a le like an actual legendarily corrupt figure. He might have been maybe the person that cemented corruption as the New Jersey way of doing business, right? Because he was playing every side of it, you know, from the shakedown of the corner bar owner up to you know people who wanted the construction contracts, and he was in office for thirty years as the mayor of Jersey City. So, and, and, you know, I would actually say if you had to put a pin, if there was a heat map of corruption in New Jersey, I'm guessing probably the most darkest, you know, red spot is probably centered on Jersey City. And I imagine it's because of the legacy of Frank Haig. What did he eventually get uh, convicted for? He never got convicted of anything. Really? Yeah. He skated. I mean, that was, he was so powerful. And that's the thing is his corruption was open corruption. Everyone knew this was going on. This was something that, you know, my, my, my grandparents owned the bar in Jersey city and that, you know, so every once in a while I'd hear stories about, you know, this is obviously long before my time, but about, you know, that you had to, he would send his guys around every week and you had to kick up to the mayor. You know, there's a certain fee you had to pay to stay in business in Jersey city. And they just owned the, you know, a dumpy little corner tavern in Jersey city. That's wild. I mean, Hudson County is legendary for this. Um, I know that I had a friend I went to high school with who his grandma was the woman in charge of parking tickets in Hoboken. <laughs> and he said it weirdly gave her this like power. Yeah. Where all, oh my God. Because yeah. it's just endless parking drama over there. So that there were all these people, you know, politicians who she had to make sure she knew their license plates so that they wouldn't get tickets for all their illegal parking right. and other people who would come and try to bribe her. And he had all these very fascinating, funny stories about what it was like to have your grandma be in charge of parking tickets in Hoboken. There's a funny Frank Haig detail that I saw in a couple of different articles, but basically, apparently in his mayor's office, he had a desk and this desk had a special drawer that would open from the front. And so if you were sitting at the desk, he would open this drawer and you would put money in it and he can close it and take the money out of the other side, which I guess was some kind of plausible deniability. But what cracks me up is 
Like imagine you go to the carpenter and you're like, look, here's what I need. I need a desk, but I, it's got to have a drawer that opens from the front and closes from the back. Can you build this? Like, that's yeah. the, You're actually having furniture built to, to aid in your corruption. That's amazing. There was also a spot for a shotgun under the desk oh, that was sure. pointed directly mm-hmm. at whoever was sitting in front of him. I mean, I think when you think of political machines, you think of the dailies in Chicago and then you think of Frank Hague in Jersey City, right? Like those are the two names that if the you big ones. if you are interested in this stuff, they're probably the first two that you learn about. You know, it's a I mean, I guess it's a fictional show, but it's it's based on real people, real events is Boardwalk Empire. Mm. I mean, that's a great show about corruption in New Jersey, right? I mean, if even 50% of what is on that show is true, basically everything in New Jersey was corrupt, right? There's an entire arc of shows about how they essentially steal the federal road building money to make sure that the roads go to Atlantic city and not someplace else, you know, like that's the level of corruption that we're talking about. I did a show in Hamilton as part of my Jersey tour recently, which is Atlantic County. And I said to them, I was like, so is, um, is boardwalk empire to you as Sopranos is to me. And they were all like, no Sopranos is Sopranos. Boardwalk Empire had a lot of potential in the first season and then got, you know, really hit or miss. Starring West Orange native Michael Pitt. Yeah. yeah. Yes, indeed. I like that show. It was, he had, I always liked his role. Yeah, man. I mean, we could talk a lot about that show. We can't go off on the tangent of Boardwalk Empire and yeah. how many good things it had that led to its frustrations. But well, think about then if we just point well taken, you know, to follow that thread, The Sopranos. I mean, that's essentially a show, again, about corruption in, in New Jersey, right? <laughs> Copland, another based-on-a-true-story movie about yeah. corruption in New Jersey. Pretty much that's our main export in New Jersey is corruption. Yeah, corruption and blueberries. <laughs> Sexy corruption. <laughs> it's corruption and blueberries, and none of us talk about it, but apparently eggplants. That's right. Yeah. I had no idea. Who knew? We don't export many eggplants. They probably all get eaten. They, they don't they don't leave that's probably, yeah, they don't make it past the red sauce joints. <laughs> that's right. One of the many corrupt things is we have an iron grip <laughs> on eggplants. I'm trying to think of a New Jersey movie or TV show that is not about corruption. <laughs> Maybe clerks. I mean, even clerks, the guy that's- just shuts the business down during business hours at his whims and design. He's kind of the Frank Haig of that convenience store. Does what he wants when he wants. I haven't watched it yet, but tomorrow's episode of the Watchers plug 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 is about a uh, patty cakes, and that's not a that's not a corruption Good movie, right? Movie. Good movie. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, yeah. The director, I, I told you this uh, in text form, but the director reached out to me and was like, "I really want." Like, sent word to my manager of like, "I would love it if Chris would come." And I had never met the guy. I was like, "Why?" And then I. I was very flattered by it, and I went and saw it, and it's got all these references to a lot of great weird New Jersey stuff, the Gates of Hell, um, really good. Definitely the the type of North Jersey like class story that I love at all times. It's, Patty Cakes is a great film, great film. Jody watched it and just has been texting me the most specific North Jersey stuff. I'm like, I don't know what any of this is, yeah, Jody. Jody I'm knows so sorry. all of it, I'm sure. All of it, I'm <laughs> so. sure. So there's one. Uh, Mike D, any any uh, honorable mentions, last minute people you want to make sure you get their names shouted out in the New Jersey Corruption Hall of Fame? I mean, Frank Haig and the unindicted wing. He gets his own wing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, he when you walk in, when, when you go under the Driscoll Bridge and you take a dinghy 
out to this small unincorporated island. <laughs> his, his statue is there with arms raised, welcoming you to the Hall of Fame. I think he is the. He's the perfect example of like, like we were saying with Boardwalk Empire, but it is this weird thing of like, okay, organized crime. Well, if the politicians are laundering money for the organized criminals, what's the real difference, right? And and kickbacks, like there's not much, and, and union crossover. And like, we all know there's all these stories of organized crime sinking their teeth into union politics, but then unions also send votes towards candidates that help get them over the finish line. And you start to see this mixture of organized crime and politics in New Jersey that's really profound and such a bummer. And also so fascinating to treat as a spectator sport. And I have to be careful to not always treat it as a spectator sport because it affects things like my personal taxes and everything, you know, <laughs> the quality of the roads near me and my son's education for his whole life. Like all of these things tie in together. So I have to remember to not just treat it as, as one of those shows because these stories are really fascinating. I think you can treat it as one of those shows as long as you vote in every election. Yeah. That that's that's my thing is I'm happily to make harsh judgments on politics all the time because I vote in even the tiniest random local elections. Like every single one. And it's I'll tell you what too, it loops it back around to something really fascinating because now that Andy Kim has said I'm gonna run against Senator Menendez we can all be honest, right? Andy Kim is willfully turning a blind eye to the fact that if Menendez goes, Murphy appoints someone and that person is the chosen one at that point, right? So Andy Kim's setting up a very, very fun story here in a sense as a spectator because it's hard to not vote for Andy Kim as a New Jersey Democrat right now. The guy got on his hands and knees and cleaned up. He was the first one to call out Menendez clearly before the machines all started giving the signal of abandoned ship on Menendez. So Andy Kim kind of going like, I'm going to pretend that the machines aren't already, instead of me going back channel and saying, I'd like to be in that conversation with you, the machine politicians, he's going public and going, I never thought I'd have to do this, but I think I have to run. It's another fun (laughs) story in the New Jersey political thing of, well, if they appoint Mikey Sherrill or Josh Gottheimer, does Andy Kim then back out? Or does he say, no, you know what? I'm going to primary you next year. You get to do this until November. And then the people decide. And does Andy Kim make a break of let's not let the machines decide this time. Let's clear the slate and have a real election for it. It's already fascinating. I think we need some good South Jersey energy in there. So I'm all for it. And I'm not comfortable with the governor appointing a senator. Sorry. I I just, I, yeah, they, it should be, a, they, if, if yeah, he were to resign, to do with it. it should just be like a special election you know, whatever, a 90 day run and, you know, people get to vote. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mike D let's shout out some other names and their uh, bullet points for the New Jersey corruption hall of fame. Uh, let's see who else do we, who else is a good one here? Uh, James Treffinger, Essex County's own, who I think oh, I saw so many yard signs with that name on it growing up. Uh, me too. We, we grew up with, with, um, <laughs> With him, so he 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 ended up pleading. Um, he he ran for the Senate, uh, did did not win, and eventually pled guilty to to mail fraud, fraud and obstruction of justice. So, so basically, he he was uh he was taking bribes to give out uh county contracts, right? So again, right back to that very I would call that like classic New Jersey corruption. I think it's just, and actually, I think we've all like sort of 
come into contact with this in one way or another, right? Which is if you want to have some type of government contract in New Jersey, you basically have to bribe someone, right? That's, that's just a re- reality, um, you know, and then, but, it, and his predecessor, D'Alessio was convicted of extorting money from a solid waste company. Once again, we see where this is all going to help them get a permit. So it's like a lot, you know, <laughs> oh, we kicked the, we kicked the first guy out because he was corrupt. And then we brought in the second guy, Trevenger, and he was corrupt too. Oh, what a surprise, you know? Uh, jo- Joseph Caniglio, um, another state senator. And he basically was was influence peddling to get all these grants for his home area for Hackensack University Medical Center. But the way that it happened is he had his own consulting firm and he was basically mm-hmm. like arranging budgets so that they were paying his consulting firm for this project. So that's and that actually Menendez did that too, right? He basically he started a consulting firm. Yeah, they all did. and they would, you know, these people would pay the consulting firm that he owned money to help them push through these different bills. So that's like another classic New Jersey thing. Start a consulting firm, get government money and help people get contracts. Or you, or you put somebody on the board, right? You put somebody on the board, be like now he's attached to our company. This might be the most Jersey one in a way though. Um, Anthony and Prevaduto. It's already the most New Jersey one, just based on that name. That's a great name. He, he was a deputy speaker of the lower house. And in 2004, he pled guilty for taking all these campaign contributions and he was using the pay for his daughter's wedding. <laughs> That's what makes that Jersey. Oh. I could be, you know, doing all this stuff, but uh, I'm going to be corrupt and take campaign contributions so my daughter can have like a giant New Jersey wedding. These guys are so cheap. They don't have enough money. To, like, like they just, they don't think they should have to pay for anything. Like that, is that what it is? It's just like, oh, I, I'm not going to, you know, everybody else is like, oh my God, I'm trying to like help pay for my kid's wedding, whatever. So it's like, oh, let me go shake this motherfucker <laughs> now and get him yeah. paid for it. That's it. That's it. It like, is. Fuck you. Some of it is such small potato stuff in, in the grand scheme of things that you're like, wow, it really is just the culture of this whole place. Well, and everyone is just so wow. inept at Ugh. this. I mean, I'm sure there's people who are good at it that we don't know, but I mean, <laughs> it's a pretty clear line from taking campaign contributions and writing a check to your daughter's wedding. Did you think no one was ever gonna get a check? Wild. It's wild. Yeah, it's because he didn't use cash and gold bars for the <laughs> transaction. That's why. Mike T, thank you so much for assembling an incredible list for the New Jersey Corruption Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andrea Bonaduce, thank you for your stunning contributions to this episode. I do also want to say um, we do offer advertising slots on the show. We're happy to be paid in gold bars. <laughs> if you want to pre-sew your money into a jacket for us, that is another way that you can pay for ads. Uh, money jackets and gold bars more than welcome here at New Jersey is the world. Thanks for listening. Everybody. I'm going to say like, Hey, for 50 bucks, I'll let you put a patch on my flight jacket when I ride around on my scooter around Asbury Park and I'll represent your business. Wait, that's a great idea. I definitely will. If you want Nikki Bonaduce to be a human billboard for your business, $50. We can, we can do pinpoint marketing for you. I can be like right in there for you. It's a beautiful thing. Hey everybody, how's it going? Uh, for the uninitiated, this is the voice, both golden and illustrious, of your ultra-talented super producer, Carson the Colonel Cop. Here to request that you drop all plans that you may have already made for Saturday, October 7th, between the hours of 6 and question marks. Ooh. 
<laughs> For I am putting on a New Jersey is the World listener meetup slash live show at the Ghost Hawk Brewing Company located at 321 River Road in Clifton, New Jersey, conveniently across the street from Rutt's Hut, featuring the excellent alt-country sounds of New Jersey's own Secret Country and Brewster. The admission is free, but the beer is not. And it shouldn't be, damn it, because the beer is excellent. I'd like to give a huge shout-out to owner, brewmaster, and friend, Steve Bauer, who donated to me the monitor that I've been editing this show on ever since my return to Newark a few years back. So, be sure to follow Ghost Talk Brewing Company, Brewster, and Seeker Country on Instagram, as well as New Jersey is the World on Instagram, which I'm sure you already do, to stay abreast of any and all further details. So, to recap, Saturday, October 7th, 6 p.m., live music, delicious beer, camaraderie, hosts, and friends from New Jersey is the world. Come one, come all. I hope to see you there. Thank you all very much. I hope you're having a lovely day. Love, peace, and pizza grease, baby. Woo!